This podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, Acast, Anchor, and many other popular platforms. Good afternoon, Mr. Hudson. Good afternoon, Paul. Sorry, I'll just uh, taste a drop of my uh, Crown Royal bourbon, which uh, it was my favourite tipple in Seattle. That's how I found the drink, and uh, been my favourite ever since. And it's wonderful to have a, uh, a bottle at home. You can't drink it in pubs because you know it's just one that you got to, you have to save a pull. So uh, being a bit of a connoisseur of alcohol, you know, <laughs> you've been known to have a few in, <laughs> in your time, buddy. Uh, well, well... I, I, I did leave a little message for Georgie Best, my old mate Jules, today. On on on, I just flicked through Facebook and I, I left him a message saying that uh, you know I, I was the first one up to see him in hospital and uh, I what I said to him when I went to the hospital, uh, they allowed me in, which they weren't allowing people in, and. Phil Hughes come out and got me and said, George, we'll see you. And uh, I said, George, I'm not uh, I'm not here today for me. I said, I'm I'm here to represent the whole of Chelsea. I said, people just love you living in the Kings Road. It's just so it's just sad that you never signed for a site you wanted to. And you'd have been even a, the, probably the biggest, if probably along with Jimmy Grease, you know, it would have been right up there with well he was in the world wasn't he just a pity that this world cup lark he didn't you know he couldn't get to the big stage on with northern ireland but it was i I think that that i think that's what caused uh his uh downfall i think he used to drink heavily around the world cup time and and continued and i think it had he been playing in the world cup on the big stage like we've just seen in qatar I think he would have still been alive, you know. Absolutely. And uh, welcome all to Alan Hudson's American Dream. And uh, we're going to be talking about your time in America, uh, Young Hood, as uh, you were called, but now it's Young Hood Anthony. He's uh, manager of the American uh, national team. They've just played two games against Serbia and California. And just to yep. keep the American theme going now, I'm drinking a, a king of beers, a Budweiser, while we're making this uh, this well, podcast to keep it American. Although it was Czechoslovakian, wasn't it, originally? Well, I don't know about that. All I know, it wasn't my uh, tip or what. I like a couple of American beers, as it happens. I used to do uh, a, a, a... Oh, it was a clear bottle, and it was the most beautiful... Beer or the lager I've ever tasted. You couldn't get it here. And uh, I once, when I went down to Florida later on and bought a little home in Florida, uh, which is no longer there, I, I came across a, a, a alcoholic drink called Rolling Rock. Right. And it was like the champagne of beers. You've never tasted nothing. If you write it down, Paul, and ask... Uh, in fact, when I got to Stoke, it was a crazy thing that uh, when I come back from America and went, went to Stoke to play, play for Stoke the second time, it was amazing that uh, my friend had an American, uh, like a bistro bar where all the players used to go, players and all that, and I told him to order the Rolling Rock in, and, uh, and it went down like a uh, car. Oh, 
a house on fire, mate. It was unbelievable. And I do miss it. And I I, I should actually order it. I, I've seen it online. I should order it, really. It really is. If You know, it's one of those, if you don't like beer, you could taste this and you would say, oh, I like that. Yeah. I, I will now have, I, I now convert myself to beer. Probably a, a little bit expensive if you buy it online over, over you know, because it's imported, whatever. But uh, it's well worth the extra fiver. What else? Let's talk about alcohol uh, a bit because you did have a bar whilst you were in America. I mean, it wasn't like a bar that you bought. It was your house in Bellevue, but you had a bar attached to it, didn't you? So, you know, alcohol was a big part of your lifestyle there in America. Well, it's a fir- it was the first thing, as soon as I signed in Seattle, um, Ken Fryer at Arsenal was still... Is it, did he... Did he leave us? I don't know. No, sure. I think he's still with us. Mm, he's still with us. He's, he's in his 80s, Ken, and uh, he was my saviour at Arsenal. Uh, when I was falling out with Terry Neal, Ken was a, uh, a man that every football should have, uh, a football club should have. He was absolutely outstanding at his job. He was a gentleman. And when I was having big trouble with, uh, with Arsenal, he... In the end, he said to me, this is the first time ever happened to me, Paul. He said to me, Alan, uh, first of all, I think I might have told you the story when he called me in the office and said, we've had a bid for you. And I went, oh, great. And he he said, "Uh, Spanish club. And I went, oh, wonderful. I would always wanted to play in Spain. I love the weather. And uh, Real Madrid or Barcelona, of course, yeah. And he went, no, no, no. He said, Hercules. (laughs) And uh, I thought it stepped those horse. Straight away, he said, "What are you laughing at?" I went, "Yes, it's Steptoe's Hall Circle." I said, "You're kidding me!" And he went, "No, they put in a bid." And on Wikipedia, it actually says that I played for Hercules. Oh, does it really? Yeah, on on once I've seen it on site that it's got my past clubs and it had on there Hercules, which I never did go to Spain. I've never been that part of the world anyway. I wouldn't even know where the football club is. Uh, and, and and then all of a sudden. A few weeks later, when I, after I'd met Bobby Moore, who'd been to Seattle, and Bobby talked me into going to meet, see Jimmy Gabriel, who was in the, the restaurant at Stamford Bridge that particular day. I went to see Jimmy, and I signed, and uh, first night in the Space Needle, I knew it was a city uh, like they sing about New York. It was a city that never sleeps. It was uh, just a, an amazing place, and I'm very sad to hear that it's gone downhill. I but it was a, a, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful introduction, mate. Wonderful, wonderful. It couldn't be better, you know. Ken, oh, Ken Fry said to me, yeah. He said, Alan. He said, he said, you've had a hard time here at Arsenal. This is the kind of man he was. Uh, uh, you know, this this is a tribute to him. Uh, and I've never heard anyone have a bad word about him in football, which is rare in football clubs. And he said, uh, would you like me? Uh, he said, Jack Daly's flying in from Seattle tomorrow. He said, they want to sign you. You've already spoke to Jimmy Gabriel. You haven't spoke terms. You want me to go and sort your contract out for you? And I said, if you would, Ken, because I'm useless on contracts. I've never done one in my life. I've never talked about money. I always sign for football alone. And uh, he sat down in the room with at, at London Airport with me and Jack Daly, a very nice man who's Seattle's general manager. And he got me a deal that I would never, ever have dreamt of getting if I'd have done it myself. He just unbelievable. And, and he got me a 25 grand uh, 
uh, upfront payment. I mean, I left there for a hundred grand. I've been assigned for Stoke for a quarter of a million for, you know, three years earlier. And then because I had a bad time, the roof fell off. I had a bad time at Arsenal for injury and, uh, which I apologise to Dave, uh, to Pat Jennings online running up this morning. I said, I wish I could have played like you at Arsenal. But um, yeah, the 25 grand I put straight into the, the house we see in Bellevue on the hill. And uh, and the first thing I did, we had a, a, a introduced to an English builder who built the house called, believe it or not, Time and, Sin- Time and, Sin- uh, Time and Sinclair, not Simon Sinclair. Oh, you know, unbelievable name yeah. it was just so it was so backward but he was an absolutely top man and i said the first thing i want time i said love the house but i need a bar built and i left him to it went training he, i come home and he said it's finished i said you can't finish it's ridiculous and then the, and what he did is built one of those american bars that you'll see on the tv in the, in the movies where the bar is built into the wall yeah got you not like what we know as a bar. You walk in a pub and you sit at the bar. This yeah. was, the, I said, Simon, what have you done? I said, that's not a bar. I said, you're English. Don't you know? He said, well, I haven't been back to England for so many years. I don't know what. I said, no. And I sketched it out and he built me the most wonderful bar. And we had hell of a parties in there. And uh, everybody fell in fell in love with my bar and in particular my music. Uh which we always play and we go through. And uh, I remember, I think we did on one of the shows, Alan Hinton, uh, I put George Benson singing The Greatest Lovable on one day and he started crying. Yeah. And he went, this is the most beautiful song I've ever met because Alan lost uh, Alan lost a son, uh, a son at an early age uh, and devastated the family. He was, he was a lovely man, Alan, and it devastated him. And I think that brought it all flooding back to him you know the greatest love of all is the love inside of you you know it's um it was a great george benson number whitney houston done it but anyway it's your ball anyway you you get the ball rolling mate no absolutely i love listening to your stories al because it's your stories it's your adventure stroke dream over yes. there in america and alan hinton did put up on uh, his socials last week that very story and he said that was it Vince yeah Vince Colucci was it he said I remember him taking us all to a George Benson concert while we were in America um I don't know if you can recall going to uh, to watch George Benson with all the Seattle boys or whether it was before your time or well no Alan Alan followed me there but uh, I was there with Jimmy Gable, and Jimmy got the sack. That was a great story when I was going to pack up with Jimmy, and he, he, I was in a King's Road restaurant, and I, my mother called me with the news, Jimmy Gable's been on, give me his number. I phoned him in Seattle, and I said, Jimmy, if you're going, I'm going. And he said, Alan, don't be so stupid. He said, you'd love it here. He said, you've got a wonderful contact. You've got a wonderful life. I know every, you love it, and everybody loves you. Stay. Please give Alan the chance. And... You know, that's the kind of people that you don't get in the football. You know, they're all, they're all, you don't get with Jose Marino or anyone like that wouldn't do something like that. You know, they, they're all with their egos and, you know, it's all me, 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 isn't it? You know, and I thought that was, and I've been back to Seattle since and I I reminded him and he said, Alan, well, that's why you signed me. I said, Jim, Jim, yeah, because I knew that's what kind of man you were, you know. So I've got so, there's so many special memories, Paul, of Seattle. 
Absolutely, and uh, Alan Inson, of course, uh, was the. I think he was the manager, wasn't he, of Tulsa in your debut yes. for uh, yes. for Seattle. So there's there's such a connection, and and what a winger, what a wide player Alan Inson was, not just in this country but uh, over in the states, and managed Seattle to your fabulous season of 1982, which they're still talking about. And I did post up on your official Alan Hudson. Uh, Facebook page the other day, uh, a picture of the roster of all them players with uh, all your signatures, and uh, there was yeah. a lot of fans commenting and, and remembering those times so dearly. What was your favourite road trip? Because you used to do a load of road trips, didn't you, Al, before we go on to current stuff with... Uh, well, with the, the, the ex-wife will be well pleased with this one because it was a 10-day trip. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I can remember when I was playing at Stoke with, and lived with Jeff Hurst and I was a lot, he was my landlord and Dame Judith was my landlady. I, I had to move in with them when I signed there. And every time we went on a road trip uh, and he used to pack his bags whistling and Judith used to go nuts. How dare you be so rude? You know, can't you wait to get out the door? You know, and uh, me with a 10 day trip to Tampa Bay, we, we would go to play four games in 10 days. They talk about football today, and these were tough games. Uh, we'd go down playing Tampa Bay, we'd play in, and then fly, play them, fly to Fort Lauderdale, fly to New York, and then fly to Washington, play four games in in like nine days and be home on the 10th day. And uh, I remember one time, I think we might have spoke about this on one of your shows. Um, uh, I remember sitting in Fort Lauderdale after one game. It was about our third match and everybody was in the bar. Everybody had a drink and they had their feet in ice buckets. They had ice packs on their knees. They had ice pack on their necks, on their shoulders, everywhere. It was like a... It was like a um, if you watch MASH, you know, with Alan Alder, uh, you know, the mobile, mobile uh, hospital in Vietnam, uh, it was like the scene from that when, the, you know, they they take you through and they're all, every, all the walking wounded were there. And that was us. And, that, and everybody got up and we played the fourth game. And, the, you know, when I see this manager's moan today about, oh, well, they had a day off on Monday and we, we didn't and all this. And I think, get on with it, you know. You know, stop whinging and moaning and making ex- basically just making excuses for poor performances. Absolutely, you referenced Hercules in Spain, but before you actually got that move to America, and as you've alluded to via uh, the great Bobby Moore, was there any whispers of you ever going to America beforehand? Because the gates were opening, wasn't they? The NASL were, was up and running. There was a number of players that went in the close season, pretty much in those days, early days, and, and earned a few quid more, so it seemed to us fans, by yeah. playing in America and, and coming back. I know Malcolm McDonald, I'd done a, the podcast with Malcolm, and he always used to play during every close season. In fact, I mean, famously, when you got sent home from yeah. Australia with Malcolm, Malcolm was already over there. He come back and went back. But again, that was Terry Neal, and that was another story. So was there any chance that you had beforehand of going to yeah, State? Yes, there was. I, yes, there was. I don't know if you remember me telling you. But before I go on to that, it was... Um, it was uh, uh, them days was uh, where they play football year on, year round now because of the money, which is ridiculous. They 
players need a break. Yeah. You could actually, it was a great idea to go to America and play in the close season because it was like a working holiday. Yeah. Um, although like, I trained hard and I took it serious and, you know, you, but you're keeping yourself throughout and you didn't have to come back and go through the vigorous routine of pre-season, which was the most painful thing you've ever... It's like, I can imagine how a lady feels having a baby. Well, if she'd done a pre-season at Chelsea or Arsenal or Stoke or whatever, it's painful, mate, really. And uh, so it, it, it knocks that on the head and you go and have a, go to a wonderful place in America. Great experience for English lads, you know, to go over there and experience the wonders of the USA. I mean, it's a magnificent country and... As I said to you before, I, I remember my namesake, uh, Rocky Hudson, at um, Newcastle United. He, he played the first season. I played against him. He was a real decent player. And I thought, this play, this fella's going to go places. And the first season at Newcastle, he went to Fort Lauderdale and never come back. Yeah. And he might have played for England, although he probably too good a player to play for England because he didn't pick the best players. But the one, but the, to answer your question, yes, I think we might have spoke about it. The the great man Billy Folks, who was in the Munich air crash, uh, phoned Tony Waddington and he said, "Can I go and speak to Alan? I would like to take him to um, San Jose. He was manager really? of San." Uh, I didn't know the way there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Didn't yeah. uh, well, George went there, Georgie. Yeah. Well, I played against San Jose when Bestie went there, but uh, that that was later. Anyway, uh, Billy come round my house in Barlison, which was a lovely part of the pot. It's a beautiful place. I loved the village. That's where they had the cake named after me and everything yeah. else, you know. Um, and I sat with Billy, and I said to Billy, uh, he wanted me to come. I wanted to go. I don't know for what reason I didn't go. I don't know whether I, I broke my leg or something. I, the only time I broke my leg but I said to him how do you feel about you know every game you go to Billy it's a flight you know you you went through if you don't mind me touching on it you went through the Munich thing and uh, he said no Alan he said you it's like falling off a bike you've got to get up and the sooner you get back on it you know and he told me the story of him sitting in the middle of the plane that were more to the front but in the middle where they have because he was about six foot two six foot three billy and he said i had plenty of leg room and i had a couple of seats next to me he said and i was really comfortable and bobby chelton come down from the back of the plane he said billy do me a favor come and sit with me he said because i've got this most horrible feeling and uh, billy said no no you come and sit with me look at the leg room i got he went no 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 please come up the back billy i got a horrible feeling he said now went and sat up the back with bobby chelton he said and where where it happened the, was where i was sitting the, the the plane kind of it would have came in half uh, he said if it hadn't been for Bobby asking me for it and it's a wonderful story you know to live you know, like a little bit like me when I was in my camera and they had the last rights and all that but you know to to actually be on that plane and think you know that could you know uh, then poor Bobby Charlton I think that was why he lost his hair and he, everything else I think that that ruined him you know, he, he, what he went on to do after the Munich air crash and Manchester United 
Busby rebuilding the team after that tragedy was just phenomenal. What a fantastic story. But sadly, you didn't go to San Jose. No, but you no did. I'm, glad I did. I didn't, I'm glad I didn't in the end because yeah. I might have fell in love with San Jose and then not gone to... I might have signed in... But the only thing, if I'd have signed us out of season for San Jose and then come back to play for Stoke... I probably would have loved that part of California. I didn't really know it too well. And and the following season, my first season, George signed for San Jose as as a like me, a permanent player, not a uh, out of season player. So, and I played against George at the Kingdom in his first game. We beat them four 0 and he looked really out of shape. And and that's the only way I like playing against George when he was out of shape. <laughs> uh, because otherwise he'd tear you to pieces. But um, yeah, yeah. So it was what might have been. But um, I, you know, although I love the sunshine, because eleven months of the year in Seattle, it's a rainy kind of place. But I never noticed the rain. I was, I just had a ball, and uh, I had such a good time that I came back, and the wife stayed over there. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that sums it all up, you know. But she didn't let me know when I got on the plane to come back. She didn't say nothing. She just uh, you know, took everything, raped, raped me of everything. But that's that's her prerogative. Um, good luck to her. But I had a fun, I had a fabulous time. Was there a favourite um, ground or team that you played against, Al, uh, while you were out there in America? Of course, yeah, yeah. It had to be New York, New York, didn't it? You yeah. know, um, Giant Stadium was. You know, a wonderful stadium. They had a fabulous team. They had uh, the Kaiser again, Franz Beckenbauer. They had Giorgio, who you know, who we spoke about, the great Giorgio Shinaglia. They had Bogachevic. They had, I was writing today about uh, uh, my friend Steve Buttles, no, no longer with us. He's younger, he was younger than me. Uh, he gave Johan Niskins a right run around one night in Giant Stadium. And I scored the winning goal from a shootout. And, first one I'd ever taken and I was in the dressing room after and the cameras shot on me, zoomed into me. He said, Alan, you're man of the match tonight. And I said, look, I said, you better move this camera. And I said, see the fellow over there. Have you been watching the game? They didn't know much about the game. I said, no, no, I, that can't possibly be true. I said, this fellow was magnificent tonight. He, he run. Yoan Niskins played in the World Cup final and played alongside Yoan Cruyff and all that. And I said, my, my little mate from Bournemouth, let's give him the absolute runaround. I said, he's man of the match. I said, please don't embarrass, you know, don't embarrass me. So, but, but Giant Stadium, and it wasn't some, I, I, it was, wasn't just playing there. It was the aftermatch, you know, the the piano bars, you know, and I, I visualised Billy Joel when he met Chrissy Brinkley in the piano bar and, you know, and she sat next to me, sang this song about, her, you know, it, it, it's a dream. Yeah. You know, we can all, there's nothing wrong with dreaming. People say to me, you're a dreamer, Al. And I went, yeah, it ain't bad, actually. It's not bad dreaming. Because uh, if you can dream, then you can do something about making that dream come true. And uh, I, I did. I got to New York and I loved playing it. That was my stadium, my kind of people, the the they're great, the New York people, because they were all, there was every nationality under the sun living in New York, as you know, uh, from Saturday Night Fever or whatever, you know, it was, um, they're all all Hispanic and they're this, they're that, the other, you know, uh, and they love their football and that's that the great environment. And I, you know, I, I suppose if I had one 
little, if I could have tinkered with it, I would have loved to sign for New York Cosmos uh, to have a couple of years in New York. I love, I love the place and I, I love the football club and I'd love to play with, I'd love to, uh, instead of going up and shaking hands with Giorgio before the game, I would have loved to have played with him. He was a fabulous man and a fabulous player. And I used to call him Don when I used to go up at a toss-up. It was like Don Corleone. He was like, you know, Marlon Brando, you know. And uh, I think I told you a story when uh, we played against him one day and he, he handed me over there New York banner. It, it was worth as much as our team. And uh, and I didn't have a banner. I said, Giorgio, I'm so sorry. I said, our club's light years behind yours. And he said to me, Alan, don't bother, don't worry about that. He said, is your son at the game? I said, yeah, he's over on the touchline, actually. He said, we'll call him over. And I called young Alan over and uh, he handed him the banner. Wow. He said, if we don't have one, then your son can have it. And that's what kind of man he was. You know, it, you know, it wasn't, you know, you can imagine in England, some of the players going to say, oh, well, what you, what you, you know, it would have been. But the absolute top. Superstar, the man, and what a character! One of the game's great characters, and and a, and a great player to boot. I mean, a, a lot of people again used to diss the NAS, Alan, say, well, they wouldn't have been able to do it in in Italy or in England. Oh, no, 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 no. oh that's rubbish. Lazio won the first league title, the Serie A, with Giorgio in the team. They, yeah. I mean, he scored a rake of goals for, uh, for, for Lazio. I mean, Giorgio Canalia would have scored goals Anywhere he went, it was Absolutely. it was the league of absolute superstars. And you reference Johan Naiskins. I was watching um, a video about Renus Michaels, um, who, who was I think he I think he was born on this day. Sadly, he's passed away. I think he passed away to twenty oh five. But it was going through his career, and Barcelona had won nothing for fourteen years until they. He brought Cruyff and Naiskins to the new Camp and they transformed Barcelona. Stephen yeah. Buttle giving him, and in your words today, when you posted that, ruined Naiskins. He ruined him. He really did ruin. I mean, if you didn't, you didn't know if you you if you were a stranger and just went to your first football match, you would have thought Steve Buttle was the one that was yeah. Dutch and played in the World Cup. He was that good a player, you know. And I had the pleasure to. After he died, bless him, I had the pleasure to tell his son when I went back. He, he was growing up by then. I didn't never met his son while I was there. And I went back years later and uh, he said, I hear he was very good friends with my dad. I said, yeah, he's a very special man, mate. I said, uh, and what a player. I said, you you don't understand. If you get as much film as you can as your dad playing football, he was magic. He was absolute magic. And... Uh, Fair play to Alan Hinton. He could have easily got rid of him when he moved and got and bought another player, top name player from England. But he didn't. He knew how much I thought of him. And when I nearly walked out on Seattle, Alan said, "Don't worry about it. Battle's going to stay." And I went, "You better stay. He's a top top player, you know." And you know, you if I had went to Seattle, I'd have never heard of Steve Battle. So them little little sidelines and. You know, the, the, the magic memories. And, and when I had a problem in my house, me and Maureen and young Al, you know, I went to stay with him a few days before uh, 
if to have the place sorted out and uh, they were just a lovely lovely family it was one big happy family you know great great when you think the you had players coming in from all directions from from england you know in chicago they were all german uh you know that was like england versus germany great matches in chicago uh you know they were they were like they were tough games mate new york would have been in the top three in england at that time yeah. alongside liverpool don't worry about that we would have been probably a little bit down the pecking order but new york with their players and their because they had the clout as well and of course they had pelly there then they had beckenbauer they had cruyff there and my my god if you have had them all in their prime they'd have probably won the world cup you know world championship unbelievable but they they were and they and they did didn't they 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 used to go on tour the cosmos and they would fill grounds all around the world wherever they played uh europe was was certainly a a place that uh, they used to like to ply the trade but they uh, they come over and played at stanford bridge didn't they uh they did they murdered they murdered they they toyed with chelsea Mm-hmm. I was there that night. Yohan played, and funny, strangely enough, I met his uh, cousin in uh, come out of Turkish bars in in a place called Bayswater, and, and I went into a pub and I was speaking to this Dutch fellow, and it was it was his uncle or something, and he said, "I'm going to the match," and I went, "Oh wow," you know. Um, but you know, they at that time, it's funny you mentioned that because it was like they were like the Harlem Globetrotters, yeah, yeah, you know, and that's the only way you can really sum it up. Only. Harlem Goldtrotters were, you know, did it for kicks and, you know, it was all for fun, really. But these were a seriously good team, fabulous team. But they were years ahead, wasn't they? I mean, they had a lot of big money backers behind the Cosmos. In fact, they were called uh, New York Metros before and it wasn't a big enough name, so they called it the cosmos because like instead of metropolitan were cosmopolitan and they i mean it would were they warner great. brothers though paul they were warner yes brothers, they were right? yeah the fellow that yeah. owned warner brothers and i think atari yeah. and and one or two other businesses as well i mean there was a lot of money going in there but yeah they were they were selling they were selling american uh, football, well, soccer as they call it, but football yeah. as we know it. And as you alluded to, oh, they were like the Ireland Globetrotters. Trotters. <laughs>